We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Jack Ramsey's live show. Danny Mareg, Brandon Sprague. It's Jack Ramsey's part of the Blue Wire Network. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. We've crossed our 3,000 subscriber platform. We've got the watch parties going until the end of the year, which is four more games. So Brandon's laughing his ass off right now. Well, I got, I got, uh, your dog loves to interrupt our podcast famously. My cat mm-hmm. will randomly appear out of nowhere. And I, you didn't see it, but he walked literally right in front of the camera. Right before we went up. As we were going live. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. You, you love to see it. Yeah. Um, we were obviously have the NCAA championship tonight, North Carolina and Kansas. The only real NCAA prospect um, that matters at this point is as is, uh, Agbaji, who hilariously or coincidentally enough is training with Phil Beckner and Damian Lillard in the offseason. Um, oh. so, th- so there are some ties there. Yeah, no, I actually saw some some uh, clips of him working down at the Lion's Den where you famously see Yusuf Nurkic and Damian Lillard uh, and others training and Anthony Simons, I know, for, for at least uh, have all gone down there to train and boxing and stuff like that. So, uh, again, welcome in, everybody. We appreciate you. We'll kind of let everybody come in. Uh, Daniel, he's too bad about school the next two games. Listen, uh, missing games is not a problem right now. If you're going to miss any Blazer games in the history of your lifetime, these are quite literally the best games to miss. As the Portland Trailblazers are headed towards their third worst record in franchise history. Um, so I did the math. They should have lost 18 games in a row. <laughs> they should currently be on an yeah, 18 game. Yeah, they should, they should be. They, they snuck the, the Wizards game and the Pistons yeah. game. Yeah. C- Cade Cunningham had maybe his sloppiest game of his, of his rookie campaign. Yes. And yes. Kyle Kuzma, I believe, is the one who completely shit the bed in the Wizards Absolutely game. awful. Yes. Just, which is hilarious because Kuzma was a dumpster fire in both their matchups this season. I think he was like a com- like something around like 26% from the field or something like that combined. He- well, we had the Kuzma stopper in CJ Ellaby, so. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't make any sense, man. It's just one of those things that just pops up every year. Uh, but we have a truckload of questions to get into. We'll get derailed, I'm certain, a million different times. Uh, everybody is already taking a look at the um, the background that I have here. And Sprague may not have seen it because he doesn't actually see kind of like the framing of what comes in through Streamlabs and stuff like that. But I do have Rudy Gobert here in the background. Uh, and it, he's he's leaning on each shoulder. We will talk about the Jazz and not just the Jazz, but which teams are potentially uh, primed to get blown up. Mm-hmm. And uh, what there's those, a lot of them. And what those domino effects could start to look like. The Jazz have had this bad vibe thing around them for a while now, uh, which is really interesting. Um, yeah. I think most people believed early on that they they would. F- kind of figure out the whole uh, Mitchell Gobert thing just because the talent was so overwhelming and that's typically how it works. Uh, but it appears that that isn't something that's going to be fixed uh, unless they make no. a run to the Western Conference Finals. I think it's finals or bust, legitimately conference finals or bust. Uh, they're going to tear that thing down to the studs. Um, I think my stat of the day has got to be the fact. The two passes. Uh, well, it's not just the two passes. It's that uh, so... <laughs> Joe Ingles passed Rudy Gobert 174 times this season. Donovan Mitchell has passed Rudy Gobert 151 times this season. Which one Ingles, of those guys handles the ball more? Ingles tore his ACL two months ago, and he's still 25 passes ahead of Donovan Mitchell, 
who plays 30 minutes plus a night with Rudy Gobert. And here's the thing. I, I saw some Jazz fans say, well, Quinn Snyder staggers them. He staggers them. And I'm like, get out of here. They're still starting the game together and they'll still closing yep. the game together. Yep. And remind me again, is, is Rudy Gobert the guy who like leads the league in screen assists every single year? Just about. So yeah. he's involved in like every pick and roll that they run. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's just want to get that out there real quick before jazz fans start rolling. It's, it's toxic. Do you think, yeah. Cause we're going to get to them blowing up. Um, do you think that this is still a result of the COVID thing that they never truly got over that? I think and that disappointment was, has only added to it. I think that was the spark point. I think there was a, yeah. a there was a difference. And this happens. This happens in regular everyday life. Like there's sometimes just you just can't work with people. You yeah, just, I mean everybody just, needs a flashpoint, right? The flash goes back, he changes yeah. the future, everything's changed in the future ahead of it. A hundred percent. And that's that's kind of where where they're at right now is that that you know, but on the microphones. Just uh, an innocently stupid thing to do in the yes. worst moment. Absolutely derailed an organization. <laughs> like, I've, I've, I've seen dumber things. Uh, sure. Derail an organization, usually around women, money, and gambling. But um, I think those yeah. that's the holy trinity of derailing an organization. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we'll get into that stuff. We'll get into NCAA. We'll get into draft stuff. We'll get into what happens if the pick doesn't convey. Um, I, I think we had like 30 something responses in here questions. And then I got a bunch in the email still too. Um, Adrian Bernisic from Blazers edge. He got this question in. He, he really wants to get this one. Um, given the Pacers aren't winning another game, the Blazers can surely try to beat the Pelicans later this week. He really just wants to beat the Pelicans. He wants to drive home. Like, but here's the thing. The Pelicans, I think are guaranteed to play in game now. If I remember correctly, if I'm doing my, if my mathing correctly. No, they clinched it yesterday. Yeah. They're in. Okay. Yeah. So, so it doesn't matter. So no, it yeah. does it does not matter. Um, what you're hoping for now is that, I guess, if you want to knock them down to where they have to be tenth and play, win two games on the road, okay. Ultimately, I I don't trust any of these teams in the plan. The Spurs are now maybe may not have Deontay Murray for the for the plan, which is a little dicey. Uh, that means the Lakers maybe they can step back in, but I don't know if I necessarily want them there. Uh, the Timberwolves and the Clippers are your your best bets for your your hopes for landing seven and eight, right? Like it's those are the teams, Danny. I was going to say that's my only pushback. Those yeah. are the two teams I trust. I don't trust anybody else. Well, I don't trust the Timberwolves. Like there's, there's no reason for me. To really? Trust the I mean, they've they've been better this year, but there's no reason for me to trust that organization. I mean, I I don't trust the organization in terms of like long term building or where they're going. But I'll say, if the playing sake, I, I just. Who's stopping Cat? Right, like at the end of the day, these games really boil down to who has the best player on the court. I think Minnesota will. And then if you look at the Clippers, what they've been doing with PG, all of a sudden they look like a good team again. And and look, Ty Lue, like LeBron had this thing where wherever LeBron coached, no coach got or wherever he played, no coach got credit for it. Mm -hmm. I think Ty Lue's proven without LeBron, he's a damn good basketball coach. Probably one of the five best coaches in the league. I would say pretty handily. Yes. So the Clippers, I trust. And I think Minnesota has the best player with a little spunk. I, I trust those two teams. I don't trust the Pelicans. I don't think they get a stop when they need to. And San Antonio, I mean, dear God, they've need the Lakers to just disintegrate to even get in this spot. Mm -hmm. So they find themselves in a situation where it's like, eh. he follows it up and says, do the Blazers play Hart when Winslow and company for that game? No, the Blazers have shut down guys and they're it's not over. bringing anybody else back. No, They want to lose every game yes. by 20 points now. Which is kind of funny because if you rewind this back, we were talking about this pre-trade pre deadline like before they won those four games. And, and you were obviously very frustrated, and I was kind of rolling my eyes at, at what happened. But the word out of the organization quietly was, we're not really that into the draft pick or in the tanking. And the, the realization happened, basically, when they sat down and they did the math and they looked at everything in the deadline and went, holy shit, we could – we could actually get a top five pick. Like this is this is on the table. They had their talks with Damian Lillard. They had discussions with. Um, they can't have discussions with Yusuf Nurkic's agents, but I'm sure there's discussions were had about shutting Yusuf Nurkic down that it would entail those things. The same thing for Anthony Simons because that would be tampering, Brandon. That doesn't happen in the NBA. Yeah, sure, it never <laughs> happened in the NBA. But you had to get signoffs, and that's why it didn't happen earlier. Because when are you going to have those discussions? You can't right. just hammer that out and be like, yeah, sure. 
or yeah, no, we'll, we'll give you that. They're, you have to take your time with that stuff. That's important. So they, they get that moment and they get that week to kind of sit down and have discussions and kind of figuring out an idea of how things are going and where they're going to end up. And okay, let's see what happens. They shut guys down and bloop. You find yourself, like you said, should have lost 18 straight games. And yep. when it, remember when we sat down, we said, if they decide to tank, where do they end up? And I said, 30 wins. And you were like, no way. No, no way. Third, At that 30? point, I didn't. Yeah, I thought you were full <laughs> crap, man. I, I think we had talked, Danny. Did we talk after they'd won their fourth game in a row? We did the post game. Mm-hmm. For I think it might have been Memphis. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was. It was Milwaukee we were... because it was before I went into surgery. Okay, so we were talking in the post game of that one, and I remember just like being irate. I couldn't believe that they. You had were genuine. It was not a facade. Like before we went on air, Brandon was like, "Bleep this, bleep that. This is so dumb. What the hell are yep. they doing? They're yep. winning way too many games. They're going to end up winning like 35, 36, 37 games." And I'm like, "It's okay. Like it's, this is going to be a bummer. Like this is this did preclude them from getting fifth. Don't Where get it we, twisted. It did. I was going to say, we're, we're both right, right? Like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you said, ah, after the All-Star break, you'll see them pack this in. I yep. wasn't completely convinced, but I had also had a good point of being pissed because, as you just mentioned, it cost those, those four games probably cost you the fifth. And I Maybe God, fourth. I swear to God, if Sacramento or Oklahoma City gets the number one pick in the draft, I am going to be livid with those four games. And that's the thing is that you have put yourself in about as good a position as you could considering the real-world ramifications because they right. couldn't shut down Ant, Hart, or Nurk pre-All-Star break. There's just – I think they would have got killed by the league, to be honest. I think the league would have came in and, and been like, hey, what the hell's going on here? It already looks a little bit dicey that every single trailblazer that's injured right now has a left side of the left sided injury. <laughs> like, come on, guys, we got to mix it up a little bit better hey, than that. I think the league, I think the league's actually gone back to not caring about this that much. Mm-hmm. And 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 maybe look, I'm not saying you can start from day one and go in. Oklahoma City is beginning as close to that line I think as you can get. Sure. But the fact that the Thunder rested Josh Giddy for the last ten games of the season due a to rookie. hip soreness—that's a little bit diff- that, That's a little dicey, especially when you're talking about a rookie. Hip soreness, and yeah. the NBA was just like, okay, we'll look, we'll just look this way. I just think the league sometimes eases up on some of these situations. I'll tell you this: if this happened in New York or LA, that would be a non-starter. Oh, absolutely, it would be a non-starter. Absolutely, it, it would not be able to be able to happen. No way. So. Uh, this is a really good question, I think, for framing. This is from Zach Marshallo at I am Marshmallow or Marshmallow. Excuse me. <laughs> That's if, a great handle. It's a, it's a great name. I mean, your name is Marshallo. You got to go with it. Yeah. Uh, listen, man, as somebody who is a food adjacent name, I, I get it. That's meringue for all of you who don't get it. It's a pie. Get used to it. <laughs> if we get a top three pick in the draft, how would you grade the job that Joe Cronin has done in such a short amount of time this season? How does that impact your outlook for next season? That first question I think is really important for framing, but I think it it, it goes a different way, and, I, and this is what I mean by it. I don't think the outcome of the lottery impacts what I believe Joe Cronin has done in a short time. I think he's been successful in tearing it down, tearing off the Band-Aid, and getting the assets necessary to give them the most functional ability going forward. Now, I've seen plenty of people say, well, they could have traded so-and-so for a better player. A better player that was going to hard cap you. At, not, not hard cap. Hard cap is a bad word to use because a hard cap is, is a salary cap. I should say caps your talent. This, The way they did things here, they allowed themselves to be flexible enough to bring in more talent than they would have, be, would have been able to via trade by trading just those players. With that comes inherent risk. They could absolutely blow this and fall on their face, and then you're going, ooh, shit, and they are in a, in a rough spot. If, if they blow this and then the lottery and they get bumped back from 6th to 8th, takes two teams move up, and they get pumped back to 8th, and let's say the Pelicans pick doesn't convey, eesh, that is rough, but that is the risk, and they did the analysis, they did the math on it, and they understand the likelihood of, of things coming together and them ending up with a top five pick and the Pelicans pick is probably about 70 to 75%, which, I don't know about you, Brandon, that's a world where I would say that those are good enough odds to say what they have done and how they have achieved it 
is that they they did the right thing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't really have a lot to add to that. I, you know, I, I, I agree completely to me. It's not about where the pick goes. That's out of Joe's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he did as, as well as you could ask a, a, an interim general manager to do in that situation. Look, if this doesn't end the way we want it to in terms of like the picks and maybe acquisition leverage or whatever, I, I'm not really looking at Joe, uh, you know, they were put in the situation by Neil. Uh, Mm -hmm. Joe is going to be an easy scapegoat for media types to go on Twitter and say, well, you go from a consistent playoff team to this, huh? We're happy about this. And I think it's going to be an easy scapegoat excuse when the reality is Neil drove it to this. Like Neil had drove the car off the cliff and then left Joe to be in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. And look, maybe he'll be able to save it. Maybe he'll hit a tree and, and break the fall or something. But just I'm not going to allow everything going to crap to be blamed on Joe Cronin. When I know Neil O'Shea put him in this situation, what I will add though, very quickly is, you know, paint that picture. They get the eighth pick in the draft. The Pelicans pick does not convey. Now you're looking at doing what you said. I'll follow that. I still think you could trade the eighth pick for Jeremy Grant. I don't know if you can do much better talent wise. If you can, then you obviously explore that option. Mm -hmm. But if the worst thing that happens to you is you end up with Jeremy Grant, and then you have a lot of holes on that roster to fill. I'm sorry to say this. They're no worse off than where they were the last two seasons with Neil yeah. of being a first round team, maybe a second round team. And that's kind of it. So if it's that fan, that's like, Hey, I liked what we had and I hate that we're taking. All right, cool. So four or five years, you've been a one and done team in the playoffs. If you go get Jeremy Grant with Ant and, and Dame and Hart and Nas and Nurk, that's that's a first round team like mm-hmm. that team is making the playoffs next year. You'd at least be back to that point. And what you do in the next year or two at that after that, I have no clue. But like just to paint a picture here, it can go bad while it still gets back to at least where it was pre Joe Cronin. For sure. And this is the thing, it, it, kind of the second part of this question. How does that impact your outlook for next season? Listen, the Blazers land a top three pick. It's hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Whatever faith you may find. That's. That's what this is all about. Like that's the the hope. That's the holy grail. That is that is everything that you want to have happening. You're not counting on it, 
but that is what that is what you want more than anything because it is the most viable asset this franchise has had since they drafted Damian Lillard. Yep. That's I mean that's that's it. Period. Point blank. Well, yeah. I mean, you could argue Zach, but but again, he's he, they traded up to tenth. Right, but I'm just saying, like you said, the most valuable that draft was. It had pretty good talent in it. You traded to 10th. That, that's a pretty damn valuable draft pick. Here, that's a, that's a pile on Zach here. I was going through tweets the other day from that draft night because uh, during the watch party last night. Yeah. People, people wanted to see like my, my live reaction. Uh, they're like, you, you, like, were you really like that low on the pick right then? Hat tip, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Yes, I was on the spot that moment. But I found one that I remembered. The Blazers tried to move up to 7th to draft Zach Collins. Hmm. They tried to get all the way up to seven to get Zach Collins, which is just overthinking the entire room. Well, he had his first career double-double. Which I did call out. It was in celebration, of course. I, I, I'll i tell you right now, it wasn't like I was the most enthusiastic about that pick. I bet if you brought up my tweet, it's some kind of rosy, optimistic view of like, Hey, maybe well, it works, yeah. No, hey, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Because, like, at that point, I didn't know what to make of Zach Collins. I'll say this. If you get the three pick, dear God, please, please let the team love Chet that's picking one. Or and, two. And please let the team that's picking two love Jabari. Because if you up, end up with Bankiro, I'm, I'm going to be as happy as a damn clam. 6'10 forward, bad matchup for threes, tough matchup for fours, can handle the rock, already used to being the second, third guy on our team any given night, like, I just love everything about that fit. So you moved moved off Jabari onto Bankero a little bit, huh? I haven't moved off. Like if they get Jabari, I'm going to be ecstatic. Yeah. But like I, I you're, yeah. you're more excited for Paolo now. I've, 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 I'm thinking about Paolo next to Ant and next to Dame, and you know what I mean. Next to Nurk, like mm-hmm. he's so damn versatile, and he's 19 and he's six foot ten. I mean, oh, that's a that's a that's a dream. Yeah, listen, I, I, I'm not going to push back on too much other than to say the the, the defensive issues. And the lack sure. of shooting bothered me a little bit, but I also saw him catch the ball at 10 feet above the three-point line, take two dribbles, and blow past an entire defense and then absolutely yam on an entire team. And I was like, yeah, that's a guy who gets downhill and causes problems immediately. And that's He's already built something. like a grown man. Yeah, and I'm like, that's just something the Blazers just haven't had, man. Yes. Like, uh, Buck, Jerome, those are the last guys with, with power who got downhill. Like they just haven't had power and and the ability to get downhill in so long, uh, it'd be hard to argue against it. Uh, quick shout out from the radio voice, Travis Demers here. Uh, here's my question, Danny: Why are you a dick? I love this. I love that somebody on Twitter saw this too and was like, "Oh shit, Travis yeah, they, is gonna they, fight Danny." They thought there was beef, and I was yeah. just roasting him because he was scared to death of of flying. Travis, for those that don't know, is is petrified of flying. He okay. hates it. Can I jump in here real quick? Absolutely. So I, I, I've, I'm very terrified of flying. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife can vouch for me. My family can vouch for me. I am a clapper when we land. Oh, God. I am. No. Um, oh, that's I'm, right. I saw your wife post that on IG the other day. I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm not super religious. Like, I don't go to church. I'm not super uh, religious guy, but I'm praying on the plane. I'm crossing like, hey, yourself as you land. Forgive me for my sins. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I am dotting the I's and crossing the T's oh, for every flight. Man. That being said, I always have exceptions to everything. Mm. If I'm flying on the team plane, I am never worrying about anything happening to my plane. I am flying in the most checked on airplane, maybe mm. in the world at that moment. And so if a pilot's like, hey, it's going to get a little bumpy. I'm just going to be like, man. All right, because there's a couple billion dollars on the plane right now. Damian Lillard's on the front row of this plane. Like this plane is not going down. I'm okay here. So I was kind of, I was kind of on your side here. No offense to my man Travis. It's a real fear. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people deal with it, but in certain situations, I, I just wouldn't care. I've, I, I was texting back and forth with Travis while this was going on because for those that are wondering, yes, Travis and I are very good friends. Uh, we live down the street from each other. We talk all the time. He's a good dude. He's a really good dude. <laughs> We're just giving me shit because I was giving him shit. <laughs> I've got well over 5,000 hours of flight time. 
from my time in the military and traveling and stuff like that. It's it's bonkers the amount of time I've spent in a plane. I will fall asleep before the cabin doors close, and I will. You have to wake me up like when we land. It's just I'm. Jeez. Oh yeah, no, I don't even. It's always fun though, like getting on a plane for the first time and seeing a kid, clearly on their first time flying, just terrified or shocked and in awe, just like staring out the window, which. Yeah. I imagine you and Travis are like every single time. Yes, every single time. Um, but yeah, it's uh, for everybody who's wondering who, about that 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 question, that tweet. Uh, it's just Travis and I giving each other hell. Uh, this one was from James Huntley at PDX James, or excuse me, uh, PDX James at James Huntley twenty seven. What teams do you see heading towards a rebuild after the season? Who might it bring to the trade market? We'll stumble into this awkwardly in the sense of the Utah jazz, if they flame out are going to tear it down. Yep. I, I just, from the people that I have talked to or people that I trust and they have all told me the same thing. They are tight. They are, they are, they are tired of this team. People around the team, people who, who are on the team, people who cover the team. Like it's very much the same vibes that were coming out of Portland to start this season where I was just like, this is not good. You can feel it. And which is not funny, but okay, it's funny. Danny Ainge going there to basically take over a team that was title contending and now going to be stripped down to its studs um, when that clearly wasn't what he wanted to do. Oh, I, di- I disagree. I beg to differ. Oh, because he likes draft picks so much? He's, he's, he, he prefers to build teams than add to make championship teams. We saw that in Boston. How'd that's, that end up? That's true. You know what I mean? He, go, he put it's good a lot, talent it's there. A lot, it's a lot more work, though. No doubt, but I think he's kind of the sick individual who likes that. I mean, I, I do too. So, and you're a psychopath. I, yeah, it's, it must it must kind of be a Danny thing. Is what I'm thinking at this point. <laughs> uh, but the Miami Heat are another team in this vein, and that's not to say that they are a team that is going to be blown up or be rebuilt. But they are a landing spot for one of Bradley Beal or Donovan Mitchell. I firmly believe that is going to happen. One of those guys is going to end up in Miami. That leaves an odd man out in Miami. Tyler Harrow. No Jimmy way. Butler. Yep. There's the guy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Duncan Robinson could definitely be shipped out in that in that same vein because, you know. Well, that uh, contract is not one they like, and Struess has played just as well. Exactly. So, so, let's say the Jazz get blown up. They, they, they tear it down. Donovan Mitchell goes to Miami. They have to find somebody to move. How many teams out there have the capacity to take on Jimmy Butler without taking on a bunch of money? Hello, you're Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. I do not see the Portland Trailblazers as the landing spot for Bradley Beal. Let's not get them uh, a, a a position that helpful at all. Maybe facilitating a trade again, where Bradley Beal goes somewhere into a team and they want to send some money out without more coming back. That's 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 where you talk about all the different things that are available to Portland. This is where this becomes important. It's because they can be a facilitator. They can just make something happen. Mm-hmm. This is. Reminiscent of 2016 in the Warriors. Any other year, Kevin Durant would not have been able to go to the Warriors. Wasn't going to happen. But because of the spike in the salary cap, all of a sudden they had space. Well, the Blazers aren't getting the spike in the salary cap. They just have space that they wouldn't or they would not have had with the current players or the players they had on the roster before making the moves. Now they're in a position where they can make those moves. So I, I see Miami being a team that definitely makes some changes unless they win an NBA title, which is not off the table. They're kind of riding the ship, so to speak. Uh, Brandon, you have been uh, very much ringing the bell for Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. I think Boston has an excuse built in with uh, Time Lord, with Robert Williams having an injury. I think the Phoenix Suns and whether or not they pay DeAndre Ayton is an interesting case uh, at play. So what's the latest on that? Because I've been one to kind of like poo-poo that. I just feel like at the end of the day, they're the Vegas favorite right now. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to get to at least the West Finals. I'd be shocked if they didn't. I I just – I don't know how you get back to the NBA Finals or win it and don't pay that guy. I know Robert Sarver's awful, but – But not just Sarver being awful, but one of the things that's constantly under under discussed is the fact that he's still under investigation. So whether or not they force the team to be sold – or he spends money to try to cover up for the fact that he's been a cheap ass for a decade at least. Uh, yeah. Forces his hand in that vein. But that doesn't mean somebody like Cam Johnson doesn't get squeezed out. I think this is going to be... Remember when we talked about this trade deadline? 
Now, coming into it, I said, it's going to be busy. It's going to be really busy. You're going to see a lot more movement than you typically see. And what do we get? A truckload of movement, right? I think because of the lack of free agents out there, this free agent market not being that great, the dispersal of stars, the Lakers being a broken super team, uh, the potential for multiple All-NBA players in Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Bradley Beal, and in the, in the vein of like filling another gap, uh, Jimmy Butler, all being available at the same time, is going to drive a ton of change. Particularly if another team falls short and an organization decides they want to go a different route. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's... I, I think there's going to be a lot of changeover um, in that. And this is kind of the next question in this. Johnny at PNW Sports 503, what would Gobert likely cost? And I closed the tab, but I need to pull it back open because I need to have Rudy Gobert contract up in front of me. Oh, it's the one thing. Daniel, we are going to talk about him. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's uh, interesting the position Portland fan would find themselves in if he became available. Oh, that contract. It's actually not bad until uh, 2024, 2025. But you well, don't care that far out. You don't. I mean, yeah, you don't. But, like, I'm still just, uh, I, I don't know. Brandon, if I told you that you had the best defensive player of a generation yep. in his prime, yep. who's going to come available, yeah. and you're one of three teams who could actually afford to take him on, I'm ta- Danny. I'm taking him. You don't need to talk me oh, into it. I know, but I, I, I've gotten a, I've gotten a ton of pushback on this. How yeah. could you have eighty million dollars tied up in Rudy Gobert and Damian Lillard? How could you not? How could you not have eighty million dollars tied up in two first ballot Hall of Famers in their primes? Because fair or not, Danny, I think a lot of people. The pushback you get on that is one guy is not an offensive weapon to the point where he's going to stretch the floor and make things difficult for other teams. He's going to be a pick and roll alley-oop guy and a couple post-up looks but largely like that's he's, he's a defensive dude so i think yeah, i think what you thing. get naturally is you get the lack of perimeter play pushback and i understand that but i i think that too many people are still hooked on you and i have talked about this a ton yes, uh, yes we the, have. The, the warriorism of basketball mm-hmm. of three 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 guess what ladies and gentlemen the teams right now that are the best in the nba are the teams that can beat your ass in the paint absolutely murder you in the paint in the mid-range. Three-point shooting has reached kind of its apex, and you're starting to see a a slight course correction. You're seeing a balance. Yes, and this was like, there's only so much blood you could get from that stone, and it is is running dry. The Rockets are actually the most analytically uh, perfect team, if you're talking about threes and layups, and their offense is a dumpster fire. Now, part of that is talent, but part of it is because they are very, very, very specific in how they go about things, and they don't take advantage of shortcomings. DeMar DeRozan blows apart a defense. Devin Booker blows apart a defense because of their in, their ability to get to the mid-range. Rudy Gobert, uh, let me pull it up real quick here. I also had that uh, basketball reference. There we go. I want to have your shooting, Mr. Gobert. So Rudy Gobert, if let's pull up his career stats because this is going to kind of blow your mind. Shooting. All right. So 79.7% of his shots, 80% of his shots, Brandon, come within three feet yes. of the rim. Yeah. Do you know what he shoots on said shots? I would hope somewhere in the 78-plus percent range. 74%. Okay, right Which there is then. just, wah! He's, he's almost never missing that shot. So, take those video clips of Donovan Mitchell looking off Rudy Gobert over the last couple of days <laughs> when he had Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole on his back. Yes, he I did. don't care what you think about Rudy Gobert's postgame. When a man that is seven foot two and nearly 300 pounds seals off torn Achilles, blown knee, Clay Thompson under the rim. Throw You it. get him the yeah. mother bleeping ball. But who's – okay, you're right. And Dame, Dame would do this. I think Dame would utilize him a lot better than Donovan has. The one weakness you've pointed out, though, that doesn't get talked about a lot, the lob passing. Again. It's not great. You eliminated one of the terrible lob passers on this team. 
Yes, you did. The worst one is still here in Damian Lillard. <laughs> yeah, yes. Now, yes. now, this is where you hope the addition of of Josh Hart and Anthony Simons being integrated, Nasir Little, um, a Jeremy Grant, another Team USA guy, athlete used to catching and throwing. Those right. are where you hope. And listen, you add a Jabari Smith or a or a Paolo to to one of those guys to the to that group. That's where you're like, okay, you're still you're not taking advantage of Dame. But maybe, maybe you can get that dog to hunt just a little bit more. Maybe you get Dame be like, all right, I need to throw a few lobs to this guy because he has a catch radius like Calvin Johnson. Like you just, mm. you just put it like we, we've we've talked about putting it near the rim with like Derrick Jones and even Ant in the past. No, you put it near the rim with Rudy Gobert, who has the largest catch radius in the NBA, and you just figure it out. Yeah, uh, he's got a finishing percentage of seventy five percent inside at the rim. That's absurd. Yusuf Nurkic is 55%. Yes. The, the difference between... we we There was an argument a week ago about the difference between Yusuf Nurkic and Drew Eubanks. Well, Rudy Gobert is Yusuf Nurkic on steroids when it comes to finishing around the rim. But three-time uh, defensive player of the year, too. Yes. And that's the other thing is you're talking about having Damon Ant and you need to surround them with defensive players. Why would you not want the best backstop in the NBA? Because I think what people would worry about is, do you become Utah 2.0? Utah's problem is not Rudy Gobert. Utah's it's the problem is that they're him. right. So let's say you get Rudy Gobert. Um, let's just, for argument's sake, say you draft Paolo, mm-hmm. Dame, Ant, Paolo, maybe Nas. Like you don't have those aren't you. Strong. You need to find another stopper, and that's the problem. You have to figure out. Yes. Yes. And you you got to get a dog. You. In that scenario, you have to find a point of attack guy. You cannot get another helper. You can't get a Covington and shoehorn him into it. You can't get a Jeremy Grant and shoehorn him into it. If you were, if you care about trying to figure that out, you've got to get a stopper. They realistically probably need to do that anyways. They need to find right. a stopper. But, again, it's easier said than done. But as far as, like, what does it take to get Rudy Gobert? Do you do a sign-and-trade with use of Nurkic and include draft compensation? I think that's something Utah might look at. Here's the situation. Is what does Utah want? If they're resetting, I would imagine draft capital. How many teams out there right now want Rudy Gobert that have a lottery pick? Um, not many outside of Portland. That's, that's To me, that's the list. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think at the top of my head. I mean, unless the Lakers are going to do something interesting. If they don't, that mean, they have their 2027 lottery pick. But they would have to send Russell oh, Westbrook. Yeah, but, they, but they'd have to Touché. send their yeah because it's, it's it's owed to the Pelicans. They'd have yeah, to send right. they'd have to send their twenty twenty seven and they'd have to send Russell Westbrook's salary out. To the well, what about Anthony Davis's salary? That'd be I'm getting one. spicy here, man. Yeah, I that's, think that's, I, that's definitely getting spicy. I think the Lakers are going to do some stuff, and that whether that includes LeBron or not, like to that question a couple uh, minutes ago, like there's going to be a lot of turnover, I think, and some major movement going on with franchises. It's it's going to be wild, I think, this summer. I think it's going to be one of the busier, like, off-the-rail summers we've had in quite some time. But, well, yeah. Both coming off of COVID and the where the league is at as far as free agent status and where guys are out on contracts. It's kind of a perfect storm. I mean, because, like, let's paint – I'll just paint the picture of a team that I've thrown out with just, you know, spitballing. You're really telling me Philly loses early? They're going to sign James Harden to a $58 million a year contract, and Joel Embiid's going to be like, yeah, sign me up for this. I want to keep wanting to be here. I'll tell you what, man. Harden and Doc are having issues. Oh, I think well, James Doc's is going to win gone. that. Doc's James gone. is going to win that. Yeah. yeah, Doc is gone. But so. again, if, you look, if you're looking for the potential cracks in the armor kind of deal, yep. those are the things you look for. Yep. Um, but what does Gobert likely cost? And I Gobert, again, he's in his prime. First team all all defense, defensive player of the year, all NBA, elite rim runner, shot blocker, rebounder, uh, shot contester, can switch out of the perimeter, can do all of those things. He should not come cheap. But how many teams have the capacity to take him on? And that's the thing. And how many teams of, of those teams, how many teams have something to offer that's in consider a, a lottery pick? Yeah. I think the Mavericks are a very, very, very likely and probably the, the most likely suitor. I think the desire to play alongside Luka, good God, that's terrifying. Luka and Gobert, that's probably a championship duo if I had to pick. Well, um, I mean, look what they're doing with just Luka and Filler. 
Yeah, you know I, what I mean? That's like Dwight Powell looks like an MVP right now. If all of a sudden you have a defensive player of the year and yeah. one of the best lob threats in the NBA. Yeah. You, you, then I think you, I, I think Luke is the kind of guy who could have Rudy Gobert averaging 20 and 15 kind of a situation where it's like, Oh God, this is pure unadulterated hell. Sure. Um, so what does that cost look like? Hard to say, but I would say that Portland at least has a competitive package. Uh, because they have so many different options, because they have young guys. They've got Keon, they've got Hart, they've got Nas, they've got lottery picks. Uh, they could really mix it up. Uh, Brendan Wallermuth says the Hawks. The Hawks are another team that I could see being in there. If they wanted to go in on a consolidation trade, they could take some of their young guys paired with Capella and make that move as well. And I could actually see Atlanta of the teams, like if I'm Utah and I'm not looking for like a full-down rebuild, I'm mm-hmm. looking for like a, a patch a, job. Looking for a DeAndre Hunter? Yeah, like Atlanta giving me DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella and maybe a future on draft yep. pick or something is I mean that's that's pretty hard to beat by any other team. Yes. It's the matter of what how much of a consolidation do the Hawks want to do. Right. And that's right. Um, kind of where we're at this. Um G Heeb at G Heeb says, What do you think the over under is that Dame's ego can take being a third banana of ant and that lottery pick pop? Also Nurk. The Nurk question to me is more important. I think Dame's going to age just fine, and he's going to understand where he fits in that pecking order for his whole career. I think mm-hmm. he's he's. I don't think I don't see him like Russ or Mello. I see him more like Vince, where he'll he'll understand it as he ages. Um, I was going to say Jason Kidd. That's a great great example. Kidd and Peyton, both all the Oakland guys have kind of understood yeah. their careers and where they've kind of fit in. Because Kidd was obviously a triple double machine who was just a monster, and then he kind of reeled it back his, in his later years in Dallas. Uh, I mean, the difference between New Jersey Nets Jason Kidd and Dallas Mavericks Jason Kidd are two very, very different players. Yes. The Nurk one, though, is more interesting to me because while they're committed to him, I don't think they're committed, committed to him as far as um, long term, mm-hmm. which is going to be interesting because once he gets paid, do we see some bad habits rear their ugly heads again? Or do you think we're past that? I don't think we're fully past it. You know, I think he'll have moments because the season's long, right? Like the season can wear on everybody and everybody handles it differently. I think Nurk is kind of an emotions on his sleeve type of guy. And if you told me there's like a six or seven game stretch where he's a little pouty, his production's gone down, mm-hmm. his minutes drop a little bit, I won't be shocked. What I do think though is this like – non-verbal wink and a nod agreement they have with this dude. Mm -hmm. I think he understands what he is going to be asked to do next year. I think you're going to see them quickly pivot if they re-sign him from the, uh, he's Nikola Jokic light to, you know, he's, he's one of our enforcers. He's our down low thread. He's our guy that's going to have our guards backs. And I think he understands a different framing. This is his last decent contract. Whereas like the next one he gets is going to be at the tail end of the career. And so I think because of that, he'll have buy-in factor. A little more than I give him credit for, but I don't fully expect him to, you know, stop He's 100%. matured since the Denver days. There's no doubt about that. Sure, but he had some moments this year, right? Like, mm-hmm. even this year he had some Oh, the first two months, like, he was very clearly upset, and everybody talks about, yes. oh, he figured it out. Yeah, he figured it out because he was getting, you know, 12 post-up touches a game. That's, that's the, and that's playing the 33 difference. minutes a night. That's, like, the, that's the difference, yeah. folks. <laughs> yes. Everyone so gets I, a whole lot happier when they touch that ball more. I think they'll get him to figure it out. I do. I, optimistic viewpoint, sure. There, there's, but... there's a happy medium of like yes. not touching the ball and having every possession. Right. So, uh, Eric Blanton, at E. Blanton 77, what do you think the chances of Portland packaging both picks to move into the top three if need be? Is there a world that exists to you where Portland gets five and – 10 that you see them moving up into the top three using both those picks. I'll never put it past Oklahoma city to get another draft pick. So yes, that's the world. Cause Detroit and Orlando, assuming it falls that way, uh, Indiana, I don't understand why Indiana would do that. Um, Houston don't get why Houston would do that unless they're kind of going OKC route still. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like more acquiring the assets to see if they can make a big move at some point, M- more chances, more bites of the apple. Right. So outside of OKC and Houston, I-, I don't think anybody else would be willing to trade, make that trade. I think OKC is an interesting one because I don't think they, they care about this draft, but I think they'd rather have more bites at the apple this year and they want to suck for next yes. year. 
Yes. Wemby, Wemba Yama from France is terrifying. He's the most um, interesting prospect probably in a decade, maybe longer. It might be LeBron. The last time a prospect had this much, like, this guy can do this at this size, and he's even bigger than obviously right. LeBron because I think he's listed at seven foot four. <laughs> so uh, he's seven three or seven four, uh, and can do things that nobody at that size should ever be able to do. Uh, and that's kind of looking forward to the next year. Uh, if you guys want to go, go Google Victor Wimoyama and watch the highlight reels and just be prepared to see what an actual unicorn looks like. It's freak stuff. Um, but I don't know if Portland would be willing to invest all their capital in that one basket in that same breath. I wonder how much of it would be contingent on what the top two teams do. Sure. So let, let's say OKC is three. It's, it's Detroit. It's Orlando one, two. Okay. If, if it's three. Chet there, they're like, mm. yeah, I think they go. Mm. I think if, if somehow Chet and Jabari go and Paulo falls or Jabari falls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see him making that move. Assuming there's no other move to make with that Pelicans pick. That's the other part of this, that Pelicans pick. If it conveys, I mean, we just, we're, we're kind of throwing out there without knowing hundred percent, but like, that's a Detroit trade. That could be a Utah trade. Like we, we don't know what they'll do with that pick. But assuming it conveys and there isn't one of those guys out there that that grant trade has lost and left itself for some reason. Yeah, I could see them trading those two. On the flip side of this, this is something we haven't talked about a lot, but um, it's in here from a couple different people. What happens if the Blazers decide to use both picks? Are you in favor of them using both picks? Uh, yeah, I'm always in favor of, I mean, not favor, like in favor of them getting that over acquiring an asset, like a different player. Like instead of trading that pick for Jeremy Grant, drafting another player. Now, obviously you would lose out on the TPE in that vein. You'd have to have something else to send out to take back. It would probably be Keon or Nas or Hart. But what if you, the, the idea is you, um, you take that that pick and you draft Mark Williams to be your center of the future. Seven footer, seven foot four, seven foot five wingspan, rim runner, your kind of Clint Capella esh player who ends up being your your backup. And now you have yeah. your MLE, and instead of going after a Mobamba, you use that MLE on another forward spot and you get a little more depth in your forwards positions. And when you trade Yusuf Nurkic down the road in a year or at a deadline or in two years, Mark Williams becomes your starter if he pops. And you've got a starting caliber big under a rookie scale contract. I I can't I have a hard time seeing that happen. And if it does, I'm just gonna assume that, that Damian Lillard has had a conversation with Joe Cronin about what the that's, future is. And that's the question is is Damian Lillard gonna be okay with adding two 19 year old kids? And he could be, he could say, he, he, I mean, he just was on Shannon Sharp's podcast and mentioned the Phoenix Suns. I've been pointing the Phoenix Suns mm-hmm. the entire time. Like, look, this might be Phoenix where in a couple years it takes him to pop, but Dame is Chris Paul. He's a 34 year old dude. And that he can I, shoot this well, will bodes well for him. He yes. could be a guy. Well, and he just took a year off. His body's going to feel great next yeah. year. Right. He got right with the abdomen. Um, and he takes on that role and he allows these 19 year old kids to turn 22, 21 years old and get all of this experience. And then by that time, I mean, look, you're hoping for Phoenix. You don't know if it's going to be that way, but I think that's your best case scenario. Or they're, they're taking that pick because Dame says, yeah, I mean, let's do it for the franchise. We'll see where we go. And in a year I could ask out. And then at that point in time, if you're the Blazers, you have Anthony Simons, the, the haul that you get from Damian Lillard. Yep. Let's say Mark Williams and Jabari Smith. And, and that's, you know, of starting points, like I'd rather be starting there than wherever the hell Orlando is currently at. Or Detroit or even OKC. Or Detroit or OKC. Yeah, or like, God, I would even say Houston. Yeah, I mean, you, you were in a position where you're like, this is a pretty good team. Like, you add one player to that and you're a fringe playoff team immediately. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I, I have found myself mostly because, you know me, I'm a player development guy. I love, yeah. you know, watching kind of that unfold. But I know the realities of this are more likely that the Blazers are going to, if that pick in their own conveys, turn into uh, a pick or it should be a trade for a Jeremy Grant player or different. Uh, Matt Taylor at Mr. Bad Cat Matt. Odds the PDX finish the season with the sixth worst record. 99.9%. 
it's about as certain as it gets. I will say 99.9 because I just don't know how much harder Oklahoma City is going to try to tank off against you. That is the one game they can win, but the that fact is that is the one game. It is it's a two and a half or two me a game and a half um, difference between Portland and Sacramento with four left. That's that's it doesn't sound like much, but that is a lot. Uh, can you go down the schedule real quick? You got Utah, Dallas to finish the year, uh huh, right? And then you've got uh, OKC and uh, OKC tomorrow, and then who's that uh, fourth team? Uh, good lord, I was just looking at this. So was I. A Pelicans. That's the rematch. Oh, and you're gonna lose. So you'll, yeah. I mean, even if yeah, you win you know one what? game, even if you win one 100%, game, hundred percent, you're not gonna win those other three no, games. No, no Sac- way. Sacramento's not getting in. That's a lock. Yeah. Even if those other, even if those other teams rest, even if they rest, it doesn't matter because they're they're resting and playing NBA caliber players. Help me out here. I I, I feel like I just checked this out and I'm blanking. How many games back are they of OKC? Or no, of of uh, uh, Indiana. The fifth, the fifth seed. Or two and, the two and a half. Five. Okay, so they're not going to catch it. No. And Indiana's like tanked. They're tanking just as hard as Portland. They're right there. Uh, yeah. And that's where if you want to get frustrated, your four-game winning streak bit you in the ass because had they not – had they dropped those games or they dropped two of those games and had lost 18 straight, they would be behind the Pacers right now. They would be fourth. They would be in the top four. They would have that uh, – what is it uh, – what is that percentage? Uh, I got to up. 52.1% chance to land in the top four. Damn it. I'm sorry, that's in the top three. So if they were fourth, they would have 48.1, which is essentially a coin toss. Uh, and when you're talking about percentages, the Blazers at 37.2 to land a top four to seven and a half for the top one. It doesn't sound like a lot, but going from seven and a half to ten and a half, or heaven forbid, fourth at 12 and a half is a massive jump. You're talking about almost a 50% jump. When you're capped at 14%, those are astronomically higher odds. Yeah. When your cap is 14%, but you're at 7 and you're able to get almost to that exact same point, that's a huge deal. So um, it did bite them in the ass a little bit, but I think they've still been able to figure some things out. Uh, Dustin Moser asked, any value in the Gobert talk? Sure, why not? What the hell else are we going to talk about right now? Any value? Yeah. Yes. A lot. Gobert's good. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's it's fun to talk about something other than the tank. Like, what are the different machinations you can kind of go through? And do I think it's, like, a likely possibility? No. Do I think it's totally off the table? Absolutely not. Portland, like, I think it's evidently, uh, it's clear to me, it's evident. I, Portland's going to be aggressive here. Like They're going to look at who's available and then go, yes. who do we want the most? And they know they're not going to sign anybody, nobody of consequence, because this free agency class sucks. So they've got some assets to play with, and I think they're going to absolutely be examining the market and taking their shot at guys like Rudy, at guys like Jimmy, at guys like, you know, fill in the blank and say, come play with Damian Lillard. It's not that bad to live here. And Dame, you, Ant, et cetera, like that could be a nice little nucleus. And, you know, I'm optimistic that they'll be able to pull that off, largely because well, what the hell else would I be? Pessimistic that it's just going to suck? I, I don't want to do that. This is from uh, at Seeker Xbox. I give we might trade the Pelicans pick for Grant. Why don't we trade our sixth picks for another good player instead of drafting someone? This is the flip side of using both picks. Why not trade both picks? The only way I am trading that top pick that the Blazers own is if it's for a no-doubter. Jimmy Butler. Yes. Would you, do it for, yes. would you do it for Anthony Davis? Yes. You would? Yes. Wow. Yes. I think I would think for about a day. I, I'd have to take a look at the medicals, but. Well, I, I want him to, I, I'm like, my first thing is lose 25 pounds, please. Well, here's stop, the thing. Stop lifting With, with Yusuf Nurkic, you would not need him to play the five. Well, I know, but like pride, pride has sunk in with that dude. He has put on the bulk. He is out of the weight. It has clearly been the bad decision. He yeah. needs to do what he can. He needs to just run. Stop lifting. Just run. You don't need to be Kentucky AD, but we need New Orleans AD. Be be Kevin Garnett AD. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like go, go to that go to that body type, please. But is if you're trading that pick, it better be for a massive difference maker. Yeah, massive. Uh, but if you're also doing that, you're also sending some salary out in the meantime, and you're going to be very 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 top heavy, which is okay if you can get some friends to come along with them. Yeah. 
which the Blazers just haven't been good forever. Uh, Mark Hakes at, at Hakes Mark says, what can we get for Bledsoe DD Winslow in the 36th pick? That's the other interesting thing. The Blazers will have a very early second round pick. Could they, again, Bledsoe's contract is uh, non-guaranteed or guaranteed for only 3.9 up to the 18 or $19 million. So that's a flexible chip as well. Yeah. Uh, I think they want to keep Winslow to be an off-the-bench guy, but again, uh, for $4 million, I think they can make it work with uh, anything there to make something happen. Perhaps they take that ammunition and try to move back up into the first round. I could see that being a possibility uh, because between this group, Bledsoe, Didi, Winslow, and the 36th pick, you're not – Winslow's the only rotation guy in that group. If you can take that hodgepodge and you can move up into the first round, the back end of the first round, and maybe you'll get a big, maybe take a flyer on a guy – Maybe somebody falls like Nasir Little did the other uh, a couple years ago. Maybe a, yeah. so, a Sohan falls or something like that, where I got kind of a guy who has a raw offensive game or, or Atari Eason, something a, a super or uber athletic profile with size falls down. You want to like, oh shit, we can move up. I could see them doing something like that. That's actually something that the Blazers did under Paul Allen quite a bit. Was they would see somebody they identified and go go get him. Yeah, uh, they did it with Anthony Simons. They did it with Gary Trent Jr. They've done it with plenty of guys. So. Um, the only thing I'd say to that is the, you know, the Winslow part is, I don't think Joe's all that committed. I thought it was interesting. His comments to quick about just having those types of players, a smart player, very versatile, good size, good athleticism suffers with injury a bit, but for the most part, kind of what Joe's looking for in terms of role guys. But also, and Winslow has been very adamant about wanting to be here. I think he's bounced around a ton and has been like, man, I want to stop doing this crap. Yeah, no, no doubt. So, I think there's definitely some value uh, inherent in that. Um, this is a kind of a, a question we, we, we already addressed, but I think this is um, a situation that's like this is the best case scenario. This is from uh, DJ Adam the Arab. Adam the Arab says or asks, with rumors of Butler, Mitchell, and Beal wanting out in the summer, any chance the Blazers can sign a top 30 player in the league this offseason? I would say this is the first time that they could realistically do it. Not signed for, but trade for. Trade for, yes. I think because Neil O'Shea's complete patented total unwillingness to trade CJ McCollum at any point in time outside of for James Harden uh, when that was unlikely because Harden was like, eh, not really. I'm going to go as a free agent. I'm not going to sign a deal anywhere. So um, I still would have argued who cares. Go I get James Harden. That's kind of <laughs> We're both in the same boat in that regard. That's that's the Kawhi logic. Like, I don't care if he's going to go somewhere else. Go get him for a year and And let's see what it it is. Yes, yes. Um, But I think this is the first time in in this era with Damian Lillard that they have a legitimate chance to land that guy. Now, they they could. I shouldn't say that because they've had legitimate chances before. It was just that the management would refuse to include the player that was necessary to make that happen. Uh, They had chances at Jimmy Butler. They had chances at Paul George. Um so I see this is the first real chance of like you could have management be interested in doing such thing, which I don't know about you, man. That sounds pretty bitching to me. I, I just, I don't know. I'm not beholden to this like four or five year window here. Like I'm, I'm beholden to how good can you be in two years? Sure. And if, if it's, if it's not that great, well, okay, but can we try? And if that requires taking a, a flyer on a dude who, in a year or two is going to ask out or not be here. Like I, I just, I really don't care. I, I want this team to be very creative, do what they can to help Dame get a championship. That's pretty mm-hmm. important to me as a fan. And then look it, again, if you're, if you're, if it blows up in your face, I can live with you taking a chance while knowing you still have Anthony Simons on the roster. So I don't know. I, I don't look at this as doom and gloom as everybody else. Like I, I want them to take a risk. I want them to take a big swing even if that thing doesn't pay off for them, ah, it, it, it's meant to be anyway. We're Portland. We're used to this. Uh, this was from uh, Leslie Blanchard. Would you move Ant for Jalen Brown? You're you're definitely you're not getting yes. the pick. You're not getting I, the pick with that. Uh, you're I not, think yeah. I I am not. I am a hundred percent. You were getting one or the other. The the, what the do you guy. Mean? You are not getting Anthony Simons and a lottery pick. Oh not, no! Not you can piss off. You're getting Anthony Simons to a sign and trade, and yeah, you're that, taking that, back Jalen Brown. Is, yeah, that is yeah. 
that is the only world where that happens. And that's no, 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 no. You're not yeah. giving up a pick for Jalen Brown. No, no. Um, and I could see Boston, like if they don't get to the East Finals, or for whatever reason, I don't think they will feel this. They've way, got the built-in excuse with with Time Lord being out, but they do. But if something were to occur, and they're like, "Hey, we need a scoring guard," like I could, I I could see them maybe floating the idea. I just don't know where Portland would stand on that. I mean, we know where I sit on this. Yes, I know where you sit. Where do you think Portland sits? Uh, I think they look at him as the franchise moving forward, and I think that he could quite literally take the baton from Damian Lillard where Jalen Brown is is the better player right now. There's no doubt about that. I think they look at Ant Sealing as potentially sliding in behind Dame and being the next franchise great, where I don't think Jalen is that guy as good as he is. But what – okay. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know if I disagree with you, but I, I know how crazy that sounds. But that how is much, how much is Dame going to have a say in that? Does Dame care about who his replacement is, or he care about winning right now? I think he has a legitimate say in that. Okay. So it would be, yeah. That's that's the diciest thing for me right there. That is the diciest move. I would haggle and, and tear and claw and fight over that for days before I came to an actual conclusion. God, that would that would be so <laughs> that'd be so difficult. Like I would have to talk to Ant. I would have to talk to Dame. I would have to talk to literally oh. every decision maker possible. Absolutely. Yes. And be like like it would just because that is Portland has never really had one getaway. Like they've drafted guys that obviously didn't live up to expectations in Sam Bowie and Greg Orton, Greg Oden, but they've never had a, a guy on their team. They were like, ah, we're going to go for this guy instead. And we're like, had one really get away from them. I feel like that would be the one that would come back to haunt them. I genuinely you don't, do. You don't think Jermaine O'Neal classifies as one that got away? No, because you're talking about a, a time scale difference there. As far as like Jermaine was a child. He was he was nowhere near ready. It took a couple of years in Indiana before they kind of well, they figured it out. I mean, Ant's twenty one, right? Twenty two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, he was also put in a role where he showed. He sure. Jermaine never showed. He had minor minor flashes in very few games. He didn't get a lot of burn though yes. either. Like that's, he didn't get that's those the difference. Minutes. That's that's yeah. what I mean. With Ant, you know. Anthony Simons is a like if I told you Anthony Simons averaged twenty five and five next year would you would you bat an eye? No. But you'd be getting what is Jalen six seven? Yes, and a better defender. Uh, yeah, you'd be getting Tr- a six seven wing that can Tr- defend and listen shoot. again. I this is why it would be such a difficult difficult thing. Um, I think it, if you did it, I mean, you just have to like. Rinse your hands and say, oh, you, well, you, it is you, what it yeah, is. He's you would bite us in the ass once or twice a year, and he's yeah. going to cause havoc over there and have a great career, and we wish him luck. But I think that's what you'd have to do. Yeah. it's. it's I think when, you, when you're getting to that level of trade, that's when you know you're just sitting there like, oh, that's vicious. That's – It is vicious. I, I, I think I, I'm pretty certain I would end on the not making that move. Not making the move. Yeah. Is that a bias answer? <laughs> it is. It is. Well, at least you're honest. It, it is. I, I enjoy watching the kid, man. He's amazing. He's been it, great this year. So it's it's just, you know. That would be that would be a tough one for me for sure. But you know, beyond that. But we're uh, we're just hitting an hour right now, so we'll kind of uh, wrap some things up. So again, thank you all for being here. We'll let you <laughs> By go. By the way, sometimes we disagree, sometimes we're completely lockstep. Um, we both saw a tweet that said, what's the first movie you think of when you see this logo? Uh-huh. And you said, and I put a gif of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 secret of the ooze. Yes. And I just saw your response to Ricky TMT. Sorry, bro. And I'm like, yep. yes, it's absolutely the Ninja Turtles. Cause yes. I used to picture them running up those ladders mm-hmm. to get up from the sewer. Oh dude. It's like <laughs> the, the intro music, everything. Uh, everything. We'll, we'll get on this. Brandon, you have North Carolina, with the points over 152 and a half here in the yeah. title game, it's going to tip off here in about eight minutes. If you guys Sorry. were wondering, yes, I timed this show so that we got it done before the NCAA tournament championship game. 
uh, that was kind of the uh, the deal here. We talked about what time to do this. I said five work, and Danny responded five ish. Five ish. Ah. I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> Which wanted to make sure we kind of got it squared away. But again, like, review, subscribe. We appreciate you. I want to take the Tar Heels, but I tell you what, this Kansas team—they went through Villanova like butter. They well, Villanova's missing Justin Moore. To be fair, I, to be fair, but Kansas, the way they executed to open that game was terrifying. Well, Ter- and Car- terrifying. Carolina is the young NBA type talent team that's riding a heater, whereas Kansas is built to are, win this thing. They were built to win an NCAA title. They're a co- they're a really good college team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, McCormick is an absolute tank of a human yep. being. Uh, Agbaji is playing like an absolute pro out there. You've yeah, got Wilson, a ton. Of, yeah. You've got a ton of role players in between. Like they are. That's that's yep. a tough one to figure out. So. Uh, I, I'm going to take the Tar Heels. I'm going to take the, the Tar Heels two cover. Give me the four. Oh, there we go. Um, I'm, I'm on your side with that one. But I appreciate you all. I love you. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. Uh, I will take this and load it up to the podcast feed a little bit later so it will be available first thing for you in the morning. Uh, we will have the uh, live watch party again back on tomorrow for every other game. And then once we have details on um, the draft lottery and the draft uh, party, I will announce those and what we're going to do and where we're going to be for it. Where where are we at with uh, our guests again? Uh, I am, and, uh, I'm checking back in with Wu and Ricky, Ricky uh, after okay. the game tonight. Okay. So I will have those guys booked uh, for later this week or next week uh, coming up really quick. So uh, again, uh, thank you all so very much. We appreciate it. you. Can find us on social media at Jack Dramsey's at Danny Morang at Brandon Sprague. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I, I don't know if I can do TikTok, man. I just don't know if I can bring myself. Oh, to do thank it. God! Don't do TikTok. I, don't I, do I, it. Listen, I just I gotta get some reels going. We'll we'll, we'll test it. We'll A B test and see what happens. Hey, China's getting enough of our information. All right, we don't need to keep giving it more. This is true. Uh, <laughs> you can email the show jackframes at gmail.com. Other than that, everybody, thank you. Have a wonderful time. Go enjoy the title game. Go heels. Uh, and we'll catch you guys for the live show tomorrow. Take care. Talk soon. Bye.